On this edition of the Maryland Baseball Network podcast, we take a deep dive into the Big Ten Conference, a lengthy conversation with Chris Webb, the lead writer at 10innings.com. He's been covering Big Ten baseball for the better part of the last decade and had some really interesting things to say about how things will shape up in 2017. Here we go. This is the Maryland Baseball Network podcast. Here's your host, Jake Eisenberg. Hey everybody, welcome to the Maryland Baseball Network Podcast. This is episode 29, and as you heard, this is going to be a very in-depth preview of the Big Ten Conference with Maryland set to take on Michigan this coming weekend to open up conference play. But the Terps finishing up the non-conference slate against UNC Wilmington. That'll be today starting at 4 o'clock, and we'll get started on NBN at 3.30. And then tomorrow as well against the UNC Wilmington Seahawks, a team that was top 25 to start the year, but has since fallen out. The Seahawks 8-9 and nine to start their season. Meanwhile, Maryland has been red hot. They've won 11 of their last 12 games, and they're looking for their first road wins of the season. Maryland so far has not won on the road. They've won all of their games at home. Still not 100% sure of the starting pitching matchup for the two days, but we do know that Zarian Sharp will go tomorrow for the Seahawks. No wins, no losses, and an ERA north of 20. So it'll be interesting to see how things match out at Brooksfield tomorrow afternoon. But now we'll dive into our conversation with Chris Webb, a Big Ten baseball writer. He's been covering the conference for the better part of the last decade and now does so at 10innings.com, a new website. And Chris, well, this is a new venture for you just to start 10innings.com. You're covering Big Ten baseball. What's that process been like of starting this new website? Yeah, well, Jake, first, thanks for having me. Um, from a distance, I've always uh, been a fan of you guys there at the Maryland Baseball Network and you guys do as great a job covering one team as any in the country, so it's always good to speak to you and I appreciate thank you that. for what you do as far as within the Big Ten. But yeah, um, you know, ten innings. It's more where in the years past I've just kind of had the blog, UNG Baseball, kind of just been more of a not an opinionated, but just more commentary here with some occasional game reports, just really based on my availability. But uh, this year, just kind of really dedicated a full season and hopefully more just to really cover the Big Ten from just uh. Nebraska out to you guys are in Maryland and Rutgers just uh, do as much as I can across the conference um, taking to the road a bit more and uh, just trying to do things just from a just like a conference-wide level and just not, kind of not trying to miss on anybody and kind of making sure I have the, the full pulse on things so it's uh it's, so far it's been great um it's been the road here the first four weeks which has been great to be able to see teams in advance of the Big Ten play and haven't had that luxury in the previous season. So going into this week, you know, the Big Ten play started. So uh, for me, it just kind of like I have a more true pulse in the conference. And it's been, it's been great just to see how teams have been performing and maybe some surprises, some some disappointments. But uh, so far, the site's been great. Um, the feedback's been great. And just looking forward to seeing what happens now as we go into conference play. Well, I certainly look forward to, to reading the stuff that you guys post. And I guess for the people that are listening, the impetus of having you on at this juncture in the season is that, well, Big Ten play starts this coming weekend, Maryland returning back home to College Park to take on Michigan, the lone-ranked Big Ten team. Now, at the season, Maryland was the only ranked team in the Big Ten. So I guess from your perspective, Chris, you've been traveling around to, to a couple different programs over the last few weeks. What has changed from what you thought might happen at the beginning of the season to where we are now? You know, I I, I promise that or not mean to sound uh, regretting to pat myself on the back, but so far in the first five weeks, it's kind of unfolded as I expected. I I honestly, I thought Michigan, Michigan State were the the top two teams in the conference, or two of the top three teams at least. And uh, it may just be decided that final weekend where they those two square off. So um, really, just for me, it's, it, it goes back to uh, you win championships with, with pitching and defense. And I thought going into the year that those two teams, more than other teams, just had 
uh, pitching depth. And I think so far that that's held true where Michigan they lead their conference in ERA. Um, it may just now be a bit over three, but um, I mean, those guys are deep. They have Alder Jaskin on the mound or uh, Ryan Newdolph. Um, and then they have a Juco transfer, Alec Renard. And I'm, I'm sure we're going to talk about those guys in a bit, but um, you know, they're just deep on the mound. It's same with Michigan state. And I saw uh, Michigan list last Sunday, um, a doubleheader at home in Northern Illinois and Michigan state the week before at South Carolina. And, um, so, yeah, so, so far, those teams are holding true. Um, I think maybe on the outside, people thought um, maybe Nebraska, Indiana, be up there. And uh, just for me, it kind of goes to the other side where I just wasn't quite sold on Indiana. And their pitching, just they have to re- replace an entire week in rotation. Um, their closer and Jake Kelzer as well. So um, that's always a big question mark for me. And um, just elsewhere on the conference, I think everything's holding true. So um, I haven't had too many surprises of late. Um, I know they're in College Park, just the one at five started two weekends. Obviously not ideal and a bit rough, but um, obviously the team's playing well of late. I mean, they're rounding the form. So, um, I, I honestly, I think um, as we go into the Big Ten play, the, the non-conference kind of folded as I, maybe I thought it would, just where the teams with pitching depth, you know, they would kind of play their way, and the teams with questions, maybe it takes some time to get their foot underneath them, and I think that's all true. That's interesting, and I want to dive into a couple of different things there, Chris. First is that I think that some people – may not realize when it comes to Maryland's schedule, sure, the Terps have six losses, but five of those are against teams that are in the top 15 in the country, and three of those losses came in Baton Rouge. You know, certainly not the ideal outcome of that series for Maryland. You'd like to take one, even two if you can, and not get swept by the Tigers. But when you look at that record, it's not necessarily, I think, indicative of how Maryland's played. You know, they've won 11 of their last 12. And the second thing is that, you know, if you're you're looking at pitching depth, and, and I don't mean to kind of, prop Maryland up here as a team that should be getting more attention to the Big Ten. I mean, it was picked by the coaches to be, you know, to win the Big Ten in the preseason. But if you're talking about Oliver Jasky and guys from Michigan and Jake Kelzer over at Nebraska, I think Brian Schaefer, Taylor Bloom have to enter the conversation, and certainly Tyler Bloom, who's now back-to-back Big Ten freshman of the week. Well, absolutely. And, and for me, and and I absolutely understand uh, the momentum Maryland had this year, and you know, Brian Saver, for me, he was my Big Ten pitcher of the year, so it's no, you know, question his ability. Right, I've been right. for two years now, and, you know, and I'm obviously, I'm Taylor and Tyler there, it's around the rotation, but um, I, just for me, the hesitation was I put a lot of stock in the spring ball, where I know a lot of terms had great summers. You know, Mike Racino just did an astounding job, and, you know, his prospect status, you know, shot up there, or if you look at Michigan State, you know, it's guys who have done it for year after year. You know, Alex Troop's back off of injury, the Friday night guy, but Ethan Landon, number two, he's in the same role. Um, Andrew Gonzalez is in the same role as number three guy. Uh, they have Jake Lowry. They have um, Raleigh McCauley at the back in the bullpen. Uh, Walter Borkovic, Joe Mockby. So these are guys I've seen for two or three years, and I just know where you're going to get out of those guys. You know, same with Michigan. They have Keith Lehman, uh, Jackson Lamb. Uh, they just had different guys you can roll out there out of the bullpen. Brian Paul's in the closer the last two years where, just, for me, it just wasn't a lot of question marks. I knew exactly what I'd kind of get or what you would see out of those guys in the in the spring. And you look at last year with Maryland, just – I, I think between you know, Schwarren and, and Schaefer and Bloom, it was something crazy, like 13 complete games. And I just know that in the last year, there wasn't a lot of confidence in that bullpen. And for me, that was just a big question mark. You know, obviously, those guys are great summers, but, you know, what's it like come spring? And, you know, when the games, not that summer games don't count, but just, you know, when that win-loss record is going to lead, you know, towards region or not. So um, that's just for me, that was the question mark. I just put a lot of stock into what happened in the spring or in years past, and that's where I just didn't have as many question marks with Michigan, Michigan State. Uh, but what, there were the question marks in Indiana, um, you know, not with Nebraska, with re, their entire rotation comeback as well. Um, so that's all. It, it, you know, it's, it wasn't anything to doubt. Like, you know, Tyler Blom, who was drafted out of high school, you know, this great prospect, 
just haven't seen it before yet. So just for me, right. that's kind of, of where... a lot of unknowns. And I don't disagree yeah. with you there. I think there were a lot of questions with, you know, not just Maryland, a couple other teams, Indiana being one of them, given that they had lost, yeah, you know, their entire weekend rotation. And certainly questions with Maryland, you know, how would, you know, everyone come off their summers? Kevin Smith from the Cape, Mike Rossino from the Cal Ripken League. You know, what would Maryland get out of Tyler Bloom? And I think to some extent those questions, you know, have been answered in one way or another. So I guess my next question to you, Chris, is as we approach this conference slate, what questions do you still have about certain teams if, when, with weaknesses and strengths? Well, no, that's, that's a great question because obviously, you know, we're a third way through the season now. Teams have played somewhere between it's really flown 15 by. or 20 games. So, yeah, <laughs> it's, it seems like it's always a slow, you know, December, January, and all of a sudden it's like, wow, you know, it's mid-March. But, yeah, for, um, for me, just as far as maybe you're looking at big title contenders and who's kind of, you know, where's that separation between the top teams and middle of the pack teams, um, a few things kind of really jump out for me. And, and one, um, just being in here in Columbus, and that's where I'm based off of, and, you know, last year, House's regional team, based on tournament champs. Uh, this is good. The pitching figured out. I mean, they have to figure out who's their closer. Um, you know, Ryan Felner, a guy I thought would make a jump as a sophomore, just hasn't you know, made that jump yet. So, um, traditional Ohio State's been a team that you know what you can get out of those guys. You know, the bullpen kind of always lined up. Um, Set up guy, closer, long relief, spot guy. They just haven't had that. So, sort of the Buckeyes, that's a question mark. And then last year, the, the conference championship or the conference champion, Minnesota Gophers, I just – it's been weird. It's uh, they just haven't had the pitching that you're kind of used to with with the Minnesota program, and you know, fortunately, they had the passing of longtime coach Todd Oaks. You know, he lost his battle with with cancer leukemia last year, and obviously, we have a new voice after he's been around for so long. There's a bit of transition, but I just haven't kind haven't yet seen Minnesota have the pitching performance that we expect with Lucas Gilbreth moving from the rotation to the Friday night role after having great success out there last year, kind of one of the top prospects once the year. Uh, Toby Anderson, the Sunday night guy, who Sunday guy who turned the same role, he hasn't been there, and I got a chance to see Minnesota the week one out of UC Irvine, and the offense is there. You know, I think those guys are going to hit one through nine. Uh, they roll out eight left-handed batters, which is tough to face. Um, you know, they make consistent, sound, hard contact, so they'll hit. I just don't know if you know they'll pitch it at the level we see with Minnesota. And the for me, the last thing is just kind of the health out of Iowa. Um, unfortunately, they lost their number two. C.J. Eldridge actually led the team in innings last year. Uh, he's lost the year. He just had surgery last week on his UCL, so he's done. Um, they're trying to hopefully get Nick Gallagher back this week. He missed last week uh, with a little sore arm or forearm soreness. And well, Maryland knows Nick Gallagher so, very well. Yeah, after yeah, the tournament uh, last year. Yeah, I know he was lights out, and they, he's the Friday night guy this year, and they're expecting a lot out of him. So you know, if they're all of a sudden they're down, they're they're top two guys. That just puts a lot of pressure on the rest of their staff. So. You know, I think those are three question marks. Um, a few more that I don't think are going to maybe affect the conference championship race, but just kind of it's going to affect just how they perform. It's, it's Illinois and kind of what they get out of their, their pitching and, and their youth right now. They're hitting really well, but uh, they're just not playing clean baseball. A lot of walks, a lot of errors. And, you know, they showed a flash last week and beating Coastal Carolina in game one, and they had a no-hitter go through the eighth, but then lose that game on back-to-back um, home run in walk-off fashion. So, you know, out there in Illinois and, I'm not yet. Um, I think kind of like Maryland's kind of coming to form on paper. It looks like Indiana may be coming to form. Uh, they just took three out of four against Hawaii this week, and it's never easy for a team to go out to, the, to Hawaii and you know, play six hours uh, be, behind or ahead, however you want to look at that. But it looks like maybe they're getting some mojo going, but just they haven't yet me just um, done enough to play to have a ton of faith in them. So um, those are kind of some of the weaknesses. Um, I guess on the other side, just to quickly hand some strengths. Um, I think Minnesota's bats, they're going to play well. 
the pitching depth there, there at Michigan, Michigan State looks pretty good. Um, kind of really on the radar, actually, it's um, you know, Purdue. They've you know, just unfortunately since 2012, they've been uh, the bottom at the bottom of the pack, just haven't been able to have any consistency. But they solved the four game series out of Santa Clara this week and put up some really good offensive numbers, at least just as far as the, uh, the final scores on games. You know, a couple of times there in double digits, uh, just some guys who haven't in years past shown extra base ability they are starting to do now. So um, I, I don't think they have the talent one to 35, but um, I don't think Purdue is kind of the Purdue of the past where teams have chalked up an easy uh, week in victory. They're going to have to go to West Lafayette or welcome the Purdue Wallmakers and have their A game on. So, yeah, I just said quite a few question marks there on the conference. Uh, just some things that have shook out well to you know, for teams to hang their hats on. And I think that's going to lead to a pretty wide open race. So I guess siphoning the conversation a little bit more into individual yep. specifics, you know, who have been some guys that have maybe surprised you so far in this non-conference season or, or guys that you expect a little bit more out of around the Big Ten? Yeah, I think um, for me, I'm going to go back to Indiana, just uh, just haven't quite hit the level. And I think uh, Logan Sowers, a junior outfielder, who looks the part, you know, 6'2", 215, just runs well, throws well, has raw power. He just hasn't yet, for whatever reason, put that over into to game action. And I think after Kevin Smith, if you ask, you know, skeleton evaluators, he might have been the number two Big Ten position prospect. And just if you look at the stat line, it's not quite there. And I know a lot of guys think it's a matter of time, but, you know, we're – 20 games here until the, his junior year and just hasn't seemed like he's put it together yet. Um, so that's been a slight disappointment. Um, probably look around elsewhere. Um, Ethan Landon would go back to him at Michigan State, even though, you know, he is back in the number two role. So hasn't been quite as sharp as Jake Boss and that crew expected. Um, last week at South Carolina, he only lasted an inning and I think a third. Um, you know, I didn't make it out of the second inning because there a third or, or, or two thirds there. But I um, mean, actually this week he came out of the bullpen their Saturday, Saturday role. So, not sure if they're going to exercise that as a relief option or try to get him back going, but um, he hasn't quite been as sharp. Um, I mentioned Ryan Felder, Ohio State. Expected him to kind of be their ace and kind of take that role over after having great success the last few years with Tanner Tully. I just, you know, a guy who can run up to the mid 90s, 95, 96, 6'4, 215. Uh, there was a change of a curveball slider, fourth pitch guy, just seems very hittable so far. I just, he hasn't got it going yet. And um, I'm trying to think elsewhere. On the other side, I think there's been some pleasant surprises, but um, just hasn't been too many disappointments, and don't really like to kind of pump the negatives. But you know, obviously, we go into season expecting certain guys to perform certain levels, and uh, either guys do or they don't, or overachieve or under. And I think those guys kind of jump just jump out, and most mostly because you know those guys are viewed as legit prospects, and just haven't had quite the first month that you know, maybe many would expect, or kind of their tail their tools will kind of speak to them having. So what about some of the some of the pleasant surprises? Uh, the pleasant surprises, I think I would just kind of going around the conference. Um, it this I guess it's not necessarily too much of a surprise, but I, I am I have been impressed at the jump he's made from year one or year two. And I'm going to start with Juwan Harris at Rutgers, and it's more it's it's less on the physical ability. It's just how things have come together. Where he's a two sports star there at Rutgers. He loves the football team, reception, receiving yards, receiving touchdowns. And for him, he's a true, a true, true sport athlete. Where on fall, it's all football. He does no fall practice, no fall baseball. Um, in the spring, it's all baseball. So he does no nothing with the football team. And he might be the fastest guy him. in the Big Ten. And he, yeah, he's a legit six-two runner. And I think this year he he was a leading in say return stolen bases. And I just you know he he's put it together now offensively, the total package. Where I think last year he's got done a raw athletic ability. Where this year he's recognizing pitches. 
Uh, he knows what he can and can't do with pitches. Uh, he's running the bases well you know, to get reads off pitchers better. Uh, so just him having a more complete game, it's really kind of just solidified his prospect status for 2018. And um, elsewhere, I've been a bit surprised, and it's it's not necessarily he's made a huge jump, but uh, junior right-handed pitcher Sal Biazia at Penn State, he's, I guess I'm just surprised at the level of interest he's drawn from the professional scouts. And usually when you have a, a six-foot, if that, uh, right-handed pitcher, you know, there's a lot of concern on not having a downhill plane. Is the fastball flat? You know, what's it look like? But, you know, he's drawn quite a crowd. and He's been anywhere between 94 and 96 miles per hour and really uh, leaving the Penn State rotation that needs it because I think they're a bit light offensively. Um, so, you know, those two guys, um, just as far as regional prospect status and maybe excelling and exceeding that, those guys have jumped out well. Um, kind of similar to John Harris. Um, you know, I, I, I like Marty Costas there at College Park a lot. He was first team preseason base tend to pick for me in the outfield and just for him to make such a jump and don't know if the batting average is sustainable you know all the way through there and then I think 350 or 360 at my last look but you know just I, I like the way he ended last year just seemed like he wasn't locked in in his own um, I think he spoke to the base tournament just you know he was just getting a better feel at the plate kind of sitting on curveballs or sitting on bad pitches that earlier earlier last year he was you know chasing and doing stuff with that he shouldn't have and now it just looks like he's truly locked in. Just looks like every single box where he's a couple of hits there, an extra base hit there. And I'm just trying to think if there's a pitch that's really jumped out. Um, I, well, I guess actually I'm um, in last. Um, I'm a stick in outfield where Jack Lalovitz at, at Illinois. Um, he's really lighting it up. I think he's in the top four in the Big Ten in like eight different categories. It's crazy. Just batting average on base, home runs, triples, um, total bases, runs. You know, he's done a good job leading a really young offensive team there at Illinois. I think they start something like seven sophomores or freshmen in the daily lineup. And um, I know they haven't had the best start win loss, but, you know, they're a green team and he's done a good job of kind of just carrying them and keep them competitive. Um, so those have been some of the, the pleasant surprises there around the conference. I'm just trying to see if I can go through my head and think anything pitching wise, but um, nothing really has jumped out yet. Um, but Hey, we still what, have 10 weeks to go. So I'm sure somebody's make a jump and somebody's going to come out of nowhere that nobody expected. And maybe just kind of carry their team a bit higher than we all kind of thought. Right, still, you know, only a third of the way through the season. And, you know, Costas is leading Maryland in batting average, hitting 324. And, and the thing about Costas that not many people realize is that he's a draft-eligible sophomore. He'll turn 21 within the deadline for the draft. So it'll be kind of interesting to see what interest he garners as we approach as we approach the springtime. No, yeah, yeah I think you're right in that. that. I did not know that either. Um, I know th there is a group of – and actually, it's a really talented group of draft eligible sophomores around the Big Ten. Um, Luke Miller, Indiana, third baseman, he's draft eligible sophomore. Um, Nathan Witt at Michigan State. Uh, one extra for him, it's just because he registered a lot of screwers on the team. But I had no idea that um, Costas was born within that 45 day cutoff. So, yeah, that's um, it's definitely interesting. There's usually a couple of thoughts from the, not to get sidetracked, but a, two, a couple of thoughts on the pro side as far as draft eligible sophomores, where on one hand, they have the most leverage power, you know, where they have two years that they can come back, but at the same time, it's like they have two years that they can come back. So do you want to see what they can do next year and still have a chance to draft them when they have, you know, two years under their belt, two years of reps, two years of weight room experience, or do you kind of really dive in right now and just get them while you can? So, um, and then also there's the, the side, and I'm always interested. I thought the coaches about this were happened this year. I think a bit in Nebraska where Scott Schreiber last year had 16 home runs on the big 10. Um, it seemed like he came out of the gate really pressing. And Darren Erstad just talked about he, Ben Miller, Jake Myers. Um, Miller drafted last to return for senior season. But just guys who 
the outside world had a lot of expectations for them this year. You know, being junior years or your senior year, you're trying to be drafted again, just kind of living up to the expectation level. And I mean, it's a real thing. You know, it's it's maybe on the outside, it seems like oh, it's coach speed, it's some of the draft year, but you know, a lot of guys do kind of battle that draftitis. So it's um for me, it's been a surprise that you know maybe it hasn't been cost us yet. Maybe it's just being you know, being a sophomore and not worry too much about it. But um no, it's definitely going to be interesting to, to follow Marty there and to see how he progresses the year and obviously to see how many scouts turn out for him and just kind of what his draft stock is as, as June approaches. Talking here with Chris Webb, the lead writer for 10innings.com. And to, to, to finish up on our kind of mini draft conversation, I think those, those draft jitters or draft year kind of nerves, that was part of the conversation a little bit last year with Mike Schwarn and a little bit part of the conversation at the beginning of this season with Kevin Smith. And I, I'm not the biggest believer, I think, in, in the draft jitters. I think it's certainly something that, that guys think about. But, I mean, just, just having been around a, a few of the Maryland guys who are supposed to be, you know, the top prospects and, and top picks, you know, out of the Big Ten, just the way they carry themselves day to day, I, I can't see it affecting themselves too much on the field, at least, you know, what they give outwardly. Um, but it's certainly something, you know, worth noting and something worth keeping an eye on going forward. Um, but I want to take a look now. There, were, there was something that you know you guys put up on your website. Uh, you can go to it at 10innings.com. That's the number 10innings.com. And you guys kind of outlined a number of series that were going to shape this 2017 season. And there were a couple there for Maryland, notably the one uh, at LSU down in Baton Rouge, and that was a big one that was circled on the Maryland calendar and mine. And I'll be honest, Chris, uh, Alex Box Stadium was absolutely tremendous. Um, the Terps, of course, didn't come out of there with any wins, got swept. But one series that's not on that list that I think might end up having way more of an impact on the Big Ten Conference than initially thought is going to be this weekend with Michigan coming down to Maryland. You have a team that was ranked at the beginning of the season, a team that's ranked now, and very well could end up being the top two teams in the Big Ten squaring off in the first weekend. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, just kind of going through the season, if you know, if you're reading the just kind of the tea leaves and you're reading, I don't know, Perfect Game, Baseball America, Closing Baseball, I, I think the the second Maryland season, I the second Maryland series, I have circled. Um, you know, at Nebraska there, uh, the beginning of April, you know, I guess in three weeks here. That'll be um, that was kind be of the one, one where maybe, yeah, yeah, where you're maybe thinking, you know, for the first time in three years, we're gonna get the the top two teams, the Big Ten, Big Ten square off. Where, you know, a lot of people like Nebraska coming off of last year, the regional team, what they brought back and. And obviously, Maryland, the, the, they're the consistent priest in the favor by the media. So, you know, that was the one. But, no, you're absolutely right just with the way that uh, Michigan's played. And as much as I like Michigan, I, I to be honest, I thought that it may take a little more time for them to hit this rhythm that, that they've been in. Um, but, yeah, it, it's going to be a heck of a week. And just as you mentioned, you have the, the lone current-ranked team and you have the lone preseason-ranked team there between Michigan and Maryland, respectively. And, yeah, it's, it's, um, yeah, it's obviously to redo it, it's going to be the one, one of the top three or four series that kind of just shapes it. And uh, for me, it's kind of bittersweet where, you know, you're, you're great to see the team teams square off, especially in the Big Ten scheduling format where you miss four teams, you don't play a third of the conference. So, you know, unfortunately we just haven't had the top two teams square off, you know, be it last year with uh, Minnesota, Nebraska, the year before with Iowa, Illinois, before that, Indiana, Nebraska. Uh, but, you know, this year, I think we're going to get a good chance either, you know, with this weekend or, you know, in a few weeks there, and the last week in between Michigan, Michigan State. But, yeah, just um, it's bittersweet for me because I, I, I like to I like to see these series, you know, in May, you know, and obviously every game counts. Uh, you know, mm, kind of like last year with Maryland standing. and Michigan State towards the end of the year. Not necessarily the top teams, but that one that one had a lot of impact on on the way the standings shook out. Oh yeah, and then I think that was also kind of um, a big weekend just as far as Michigan State more so in their NCAA tournament 
Um, I, I think Maryland at that point was a little too far on the bubble, but Michigan State was still in the bubble. And yeah, and that's kind of why I, I like to see these series at the end of the year because there's so much more on the line. And again, you know, I think every game matters, and and they're all going to end up in the win-loss column no matter what. But just adds a little more where you kind of get those mock projections, you know, those mock field of 64s out there. And you see, oh, you know, we're hosting, or we're a two seed here or there, or we're a three seed here and there, and that kind of adds a bit of outside noise to it, but. I'm sure if you ask Coach Chef and Coach Backers, you know, these two teams don't need any outside noise. You know, they're going to go out there and play hard. And, yeah, it's, it's going to be a heck of a weekend for me. And I, I think I'm just most intrigued as far as how the, the pitching lines up, just because, you you know, you have Brian Saber there versus Oliver Jaskin. And it may not be as sexy as, you know, Cody Sedlock versus Mike Schroer last year. But that was you know, a right one. now, I think those are two of the – yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of one of those matches you circled back in June the year before. But, but yeah, I mean, you still with Jaskin and Schaefer, you're going to get two of the top three pitching props in the conference, you know, and um, Alec Troop's in there somewhere. Um, if you ask scouts, they're one, two, three is different, but those two, three are, those two are two of the top three. But, you know, after that, there's no let off, you know, Ryan Newdoff and then um, the back of Michigan, Michael Hendrickson, and they're in Maryland with, with Blom and Bloom. So it's, um, yeah, it's going to line up to be a dynamite series just as far as the pitching matchups. And then position players, you know, with, with Costas, Smith, and Don there from Maryland. Uh, Michigan, they're going to roll out, you know, Aiko Thomas, uh, Jake Bivens, Drew Lugbauer. It's going to be a, a loaded series and a lot of attention, I think, just from scouts. But also, yeah, you're right, just from the media and the outside and just how it shapes the Big Ten. Uh, the one thing I've learned is if you can take a game on the road, it goes so much further than being swept. And I know it's only one, one, one win versus, you know, no wins or, you know, three loss versus two. But just to battle back after being swept, it's you'd have to go three weeks of two and one just to break even. And that's just quite a big hole there to kind of regroup from. So, you know, at the same token, if you can defend your home turf with a sweep, that goes so much further than, you know, going two and one. So just from the pure uh, win loss standpoint, how it shakes up the stand is absolutely, it's, it's a big weekend just because I think when everything shakes up, you know, one of these two teams are going to be looking like, ah, I wish we had one more game, you know, one more win, one less loss and kind of how things shake up in the year. That's going to be that close again in the big 10. Right, and right now Maryland's 8-0 at home. They haven't won away yet, but two midweek games against UNC Wilmington tomorrow and Wednesday, so we'll see what happens down here in Wilmington, North Carolina. But going back to this weekend series with Michigan and Maryland, well, interestingly enough, it's actually the first time that Eric Backage is going to return to College Park mm -hmm. after leaving Maryland to go to Michigan prior to the 2013 season, so that should be a fun reunion for some people, and I'm sure that'll be some of the narrative surrounding this weekend. But you talk a little bit about the pitching matchup, Oliver Jasky, Brian Schaefer, Michael Hendrickson, Taylor Bloom and then Tyler Bloom on Sunday and I, I guess I guess to be kind of point blank here who do you like um you know it's I'm going to hedge a bit and it's it's out of respect to Maryland um for me I as much as it may be fun to you know have predictions and do this and that just because I've seen Michigan now two weekends I'm just more comfortable with knowing those guys strength and weaknesses where I would just love to be able to see Maryland first um, so it's just more just falling back on knowing what Michigan can and can't do. I guess um, what I would point out is if if Michigan has a game where it's two or more errors, um, I think you give that game to Maryland. Um, and that's just because Michigan there, as much as I, I love Drew Lugbauer, he's their power hitting, kind of do it all. He can play first. Right now he's playing third base, but he can catch. He has played first base in the past. And he's maybe slowing around into form. He's averaged still under 200, but he has five home runs now. Um, they just haven't yet quite hit offensively at, at a level where I would think that they should have returning eight of nine starters. Um, so, you know, if you give a, a team an extra few innings or I'm sorry, extra few outs per inning or throughout the game, I just think it's a tough uh, road for Michigan to climb back through. But um, 
if they don't, um, you know, they have a, a weekend rotation and deep bullpen that just throws strikes. If you look at their, their walk strikeout numbers. I'm just really impressed, especially last year where they had a lot of strikeouts that had so many walks. That was kind of their, their doom at the end of last season. But this year they're really hitting the strike zone. And, um, yeah, when they play clean defense, it's on. They, they're really aggressive. They take the extra 90 base as much as they can. Um, I saw them out of the Dodgers, the Dodgers Stadium, College of Plastic, you know, whatever the long name of Fisher name is. But <laughs> they lost a 1-0 game to UCLA. Uh, they came back, beat USC 6-1, uh, beat San Diego 3-1. And they were just so locked in that entire week and just pitching defense, timely hitting. Uh, just haven't yet kind of seen the overpower team, uh, just one through nine for nine innings. But they're going to pitch it. So that's why I think if they just give, you know, Maryland, who has kept building. I mean, we've seen Maryland this weekend there at Princeton and, a uh, week before against Brian, you know, they, they have some ability to put up a crooked number here you know, periodically or, or very often throughout the game where I don't think Michigan has that capability just because there just isn't a ton of guys with too many extra base hits who are hitting for, for a good average. You know, they're, like I said, you know, Lug Bowers there, Harrison Winston, their catcher. He also has five home runs, but his average is there in the 230s. So uh, it's kind of a feast for family for those for their power hitters there. But I think Maryland has a more consistent one through nine who can uh, put contact, put the ball in play, and also drive the ball where, yeah, just uh, it's able to feast. So that's where I think um, yeah, I'm not necessarily going to give a, uh, give a prediction. And I'll still try to talk to Coach Jeff later in this week, get back in terms of Coach package to really kind of preview things and kind of get a, a true pulse on where both teams sit. But, yeah, I think the key for Michigan is to play clean defense, and I guess conversely for, the, for Maryland there, is to take advantage of every opportunity. Uh, just because Michigan's their starters, they do throw strikes. So, you know, the defense will give you an extra few outs there. I'm doing a walk with you guys. You know, I definitely take advantage of that and make the pay for it. Right, and I think both these teams, Maryland and Michigan, are among, if not the two hottest teams in the Big Ten. Maryland winning, winning 11 out of the last 12. Michigan eight and two over their last 10. So as we wrap up this conversation, Chris, I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on the spot again, um, and I apologize in advance for doing this, but <laughs> as we approach the beginning of Big Ten play, you had your your preseason Player of the Year, Pitcher of the Year, Freshman of the Year. And I'm curious to know if those picks ha have changed at all and, and why. So I guess uh, I guess four, four questions kind of in a slew right here. The first, uh, as we approach the, the beginning of the Big Ten season, who is your conference champion, who is your player of the year, who's your pitcher of the year, and who's your freshman of the year? So, um, yeah, no, I, I, you can put in a spot for that. I, I feel fine. And I'm going to take the, well, one of those because it's very easy. So, um, oh, yeah, okay. I'm going <laughs> to – I guess I'm going to flip-flop where, I, I for me, I I had the winner of the Michigan-Michigan State Series as conference champion, and I went with Michigan State because they have a split-site series where they start at East Lansing to go to Ann Arbor and they finish East Lansing. So I just gave the home team that series and the conference championship. Uh, just right now, just haven't seen those two teams. I actually saw Michigan twice in between seeing Michigan State. I just just kind of just like Michigan, just the feel of that team. Um, You know, every now and then, for me, I kind of just get a sense that when a team is on, when a big season's there. And, you know, I just really like that Illinois team in 2015, just what they returned from the year previously and kind of just have the same feel with Michigan. I, I think there's a, a commonality where – Did you feel that with Ohio Illinois State team. last year going into the tournament at all? I did. Um, and it's – Sorry to cut I, you off. I, I did I'm a uh, radio – Yeah, no, I, and, um, that's a great question. And I, I did because, um, for me, the, the Big Ten tournament, I've been fortunate I've seen 10 of these things now. It's – <laughs> you always see the star player perform at, at its best. You always see the star player carry that team. And, you know, be it a, a Kyle Sharber or a Sam Travis at Indiana, I, mean, I think back to, to years ago with like a Zach Clutton or Jason Christian at Michigan, 
I'm just that player just finds a way to have a special week. And I, I just had that feeling last year, Barney Dawson. I mean, just, just I mean, he was, just, he was out of this world impressive in all oh, yeah, last just, year. Yeah, I, I didn't see him having that type, that type <laughs> of week. But just kind of, I remember I did a radio at Penn State, um, and this was early May, maybe late April, and I, they asked me, I, was like, I just think that Ryan Dawson wanted to just come out there and just have the an incredible week. And, you know, just, I guess, you know, I was just lucky to, to call that. But um, th- that's a bit different where you're just counting on a guy who seemed to be hot for four or five days where 2015 Illinois, I just liked that team that makeup. And you actually, the year before, they were kind of snubbed. Um, they were one of the last teams outside the NCAA tournament, even though they dominated the SEC champion Florida and the road series down there. And, you know, they were in the outside looking in. And I, I kind of had that same sense of Michigan. You know, last year they had a top 35 RPI. Um, that's Coach Backage. You know, they just didn't finish last year. They went, I think, 4-11 last 15. So, maybe rightfully they're on the outside, but I remember the preseason, he said, you know, this team has an edge. Um, they're not shying away from it, that they're going to go out there and just try to make amends for what they didn't do last year. And I think you kind of see that where I've seen teams, you know, it's the ninth inning, they, they blow a lead or, you know, they're being no hit through six innings and you start to sense, you know, a panic or a frustration and they don't get that feeling yet. We've seen Michigan and have seen them for five games. I know it's only five games, it's a small sample size, but, it's kind of that that air with this team, and you're seeing some players like a Johnny Slater have years that you know they haven't had in the in the past, or you know an impact transfer like Miles Lewis from North from North uh, North Dakota. Just kind of it seems like the right pieces there for Michigan to make that kind of that that run. And I also like that they have a schedule coming up where you know obviously they have this weekend there in Maryland, but they get Oklahoma, who's cracking the rankings there in a non-conference. So just kind of stuff like that, you kind of get a sense that this may be a pretty special year for Michigan. So. Very long-winded, but I'm going to flip-flop and just go with Michigan, kind of taking that end-of-year season or end-of-year series to be the Big Ten champion. Um, the rest of the, the predictions, the one that's easy for me, I picked uh, Mason Earl as my freshman of the year, and unfortunately he's done for the year. He has a torn lat muscle, so unfortunately that's not going to happen. Um, I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to go with, uh, with with your guy there, with, with Blum, just because, I mean, what back-to-back weeks now is uh, Big Ten freshman of the year and, or freshman of the week, and, I know he's just dialed in and kind of in his zone there. So he would go with my freshman of the year. Um, I'm going to stick with, with Schaefer, too. Um, he hasn't done anything that would make me warrant you know, anybody else. Just kind of steady Eddie. You know, he's on those strikes. He's going to pitch. seems like every single time, like a Brian Schaefer line, it's eight innings, 85 pitches, <laughs> five Ks, a walk, three hits. It just It's very consistent. You know, I was just, saying that. I was saying the other day that it was – in some ways, watching him pitch was reminiscent of Mike Schwarn in 2015, which is a bit of a lofty comparison, I realize. But um, I think when yeah. you, I think when you see when you see Schaefer in action, you'll kind of see the similarities. Yeah, no, I, I, I just just kind of like the way he plays. You know, it's it's a, it's, a, it's a quick tempo. He gets the ball. You know, he throws strikes. Doesn't seem like he messes around. He kind of goes out there with an air to him. And I saw that you know as a person two years ago. He had that Sunday start at Ohio State. I think that was kind of a series that kind of defined both seasons, you know, where Maryland kind of just went off after that. Ohio State kind of went on a tailspin after that. But ever since then, it seemed like he had a presence for being able to step up in big spots and big situations. So stick with him as my pitch of the year. And I did go with Lug. I don't know who I go. I Actually, I'm forgetting now. I think you had um, Scott Schreiber. Oh, the player of the year. Scott, yeah, Scott Schreiber, yeah. Actually, um, that's a tough one. Because I, I, I was on the fence with, with him. And um, actually, Nick Dunn was kind of in my top three there. But, you know, I – I'm going to stay with that. I'm going to stay with, with Schaefer and, um, and Schreiber for, for player and pitcher. And uh, I was fortunate to, to see Nebraska week two out on surprise. Of the, I guess you call it a Big Ten Pac-10 challenge. I mean, there's only two teams meets conference. But 
you know, um, seemed like he was one of those guys that first had slowed to was trying to do too much. And he just had so much raw ability that just figured it's a matter of time. And I think he's now something crazy, like 17 of his last 33 over the last nine games or something where his average was 170 after two weeks. And now it's in the, the mid 320s, 330s, I think he's pushing. So, um, yeah, just for me in college baseball, it's, it's uh, you take right-handed raw power when you see it. You know, he has that he's a pretty good athlete. He's a high school quarterback there in Wisconsin. And it seems like he can do a bit of everything with the, with the barrel, has a good feel for this right zone. So I think we'll stick with that. Just um, just feeling good with kind of how he's turning to form. And for me, um, just kind of as I've been big on just pitchers and what they've done in, in previous springs, I it may be just the, the lazy and cheap way out, but just guys who have the years that he had last year, you know, 16 home runs, thank you, bad at 325. I just kind of like that as a sophomore, you know, just that growth from year one to year two, and just kind of being from guys not having too much of a downturn to figure if he just adds a few points to the bat on average, you know, remains around a double, a dozen, you know, home runs and does some stuff here and there with doubles and RBI that it's a pretty good year. So yeah, I um, going to stick with those two then, but yeah, um, just Mason early going down. It's obviously, you know, a tough loss and just kind of flip flopping there from Michigan state to Michigan this year. So I, I guess the final question as we wrap up our conversation, a little bit more Maryland centric, yeah, Brian Shaver yeah. is your pitcher of the year. Tyler Blome as your freshman of the year as we head into this first week in a Big Ten play. What do you see as the ceiling for the Terps, whether it be in the Big Ten Conference, Big Ten Tournament, NCAA Tournament? How far do you think this Maryland team can go in 2017? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, if you're asking us a straight ceiling, I mean, it, it may sound crazy, but I mean, I think it's a team capable of making a deep, serious run in this tournament. And just for me, it's I view I view Schaefer the same as last year as Cody Sedlock. I mean, it's a guy that's going to give you a chance to win every single Friday out there. I mean, if you have that, and then you know, if you have Tyler and Taylor there in the back in the rotation, you know, we we know what, what what Taylor can do. You know, he's done it for two years. I mean, you know, last year he had a better season, I think, statistically than the Schaefer. I mean, it was maybe kind of you know splitting hairs there, but uh, you know, it's just right there. And then you obviously you have just Tyler having the the first campaign he's starting to have. Um, you take a one to three like that, they're going to have a chance to beat anybody. So it's it's for me, it'd be silly to, to kind of limit them, you know, and we've seen teams get hot, just, you know, they, they ride a, you know, a player steps up and I think all of us still expect Kevin Smith to be a bit more. I know he's, he's always tinkering with the swing. He's always trying to work with his mechanics, trying to always improve. So, you know, you don't expect him to have the same month that he's had, you know, going forward. So if you start to look at that, you know, you see what, what Costas is doing. Uh, we know what Nick Dunn's capable of. I mean, it, the parts are there for a, a pretty deep run. It's just, still kind of I think you're still having just a few more questions more so than you know a Michigan just you know if you know Smith comes back and does what he can do or you know if the freshman season continues um but I mean heck, you can always say that about any team and you know obviously health's always a big question so um but yeah if you're asking on straight ceiling I think you just you you like the core that Maryland has you know at, at the play at the lineup um you like the one two three they have you know maybe you still want to you know see a quite a few guys and then the you know bulletin step up i know andrew miller's starting to come around as being a reliable guy and you know racino's looking like he's kind of putting that potential on production so you know, those are two things that are for me it's sticking out from afar so um I, yeah I, I think the parts is there um just maybe i'm a bit conservative and kind of just uh just maybe want to see a, a little more especially you know in conference play and to go back to your point yeah you, you um you can't have asked for a better start to i think that the conference season than having michigan maryland square off just because you're going to get a two of the hottest teams you're going to get you know the team i guess at the moment and then the team going into the season i mean expected so yeah if, if they come through this you know weekend with two out of three or you know three of three and you absolutely don't you know take any take anything away from a legit you know 
conference championship, you know, as far as being the team or, you know, the contender, but just straight ceiling. I mean, heck, I, I can see another super regional run within this team just with the, with the pitching you have and, and the, the offensive core there. So um, I guess on the other side of the floor, though, um, it could be something where just, I, I think they do have one of the tougher uh, Big Ten schedules. And if you ask any coach, we, they don't like it. You know, they don't like that you can only play two thirds of the team you miss four, and they feel a lot of, how the final standings shape out is just who you play or who you don't play. And I think, you know, Maryland does have a pretty, you know, tough slate relative to some other teams. So you know, they're going to be tested more. I think than other teams will. So that, you know, may shape up some of them where they finish fifth or sixth, but they're not the fifth or sixth best teams as far as raw talent. It's just who they play, who others didn't play. So yeah, I just, as far as the ceiling, I think you still have an NCAA caliber team. Uh, it's, I just don't know how the math's going to play out, you know, as far as RPI, and the schedule, um, you know, is there, enough opportunities there as far as resume builders uh you know with unfortunately the the one and five start you know albeit it wasn't a tough competition just you know where are the rest of the quality ones that come from you know this weekend aside so yeah if you're just asking just 135 you know the raw talent this absolutely team has the capability of making a a deep run come may and june well like you said we're five weeks into the season and still a long ways to go but chris thank you so much for joining us here on the maryland baseball network podcast always great to talk to you and always great to read the things that you put out on 10 innings uh, you can follow 10 innings on twitter at 10 innings uh, and head to their website 10 innings.com that's the number 10 innings.com chris i uh, hope to see you down the road absolutely no i it's always a pleasure again i i sincerely mean it you guys do as fine as a job you know just covering a team and as far as any in the in the country you know, obviously in the conference i don't think there's any peer comparison and uh, just the 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 resource you guys have you know with the podcast uh, the game recaps the coach interviews the player interviews the obviously the, the live broadcast in the games um you guys are doing a, a phenomenal job fantastic job and i think uh we're all lucky just because you know it helps me do my job and it helps the conference you know where there's <laughs> that exposure for a team so you know you guys you know continue the great work and it's always a pleasure um you know you guys great conversation great questions and hopefully you just uh, put me in a spot where i look good down the road so you know i, I appreciate it as always Ple- pleasure's all mine chris thank you so much so that'll do it for this edition of the maryland baseball network podcast special thanks to chris webb from 10innings.com for stopping by and sharing his Big Ten Conference insight with us. Again, you can follow 10 Innings at 10 Innings on Twitter and their website 10innings.com. That's 1010innings.com. But you can follow us on Twitter, Maryland Baseball Network, at MDBaseballNet. Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash MDBaseballNet. And, well, if you like what you heard this time around on the podcast, you can subscribe to it on iTunes by searching Maryland Baseball Network in the iTunes store. Also, don't forget to check out all the content on our website, MarylandBaseballNetwork.com. So we'll see you later this afternoon. The Terps taking on UNC Wilmington in the first game of a two-game series. First pitch is scheduled for 4 o'clock, and we'll get started at 3.30 on Maryland Baseball Network. Until then, so long.